And let's all stand this morning and turn to the book of Daniel, chapter number 9. And I appreciate the good singing this morning and the presence of the Lord. Amen. And uh, good to be in an old-fashioned Bible-believing Baptist church. Amen. We're no spe- nothing more special than anybody else, but I appreciate the Lord's presence. And good testimonies this morning, good singing, choir singing, and uh, just a good time in the house of God. And so you pray with us these next few moments. The Lord will help us as we try to preach. I was thinking about, I was thinking about Brother Ben uh, Wilson this week, and uh, he came to my mind. You actually came to my mind this week. And uh, he, I tell you, he's been on fire. I watched him standing up, throwing his hands up, praising God. And uh, I was thinking about him one day this week, going down the road and just praying. I said, Lord, God may use him to light a fire on this whole corner right down here. Amen. So you just keep on shouting. Amen. You got, I've just deputized you, okay? And so nobody else shouts this morning. You just shout on. And uh, he got past some things or something. Amen. Got saved what happened to him. And uh, never been out in sin, never done anything wrong. As far as, I know he's done things wrong. His mom and daddy had testified of that. But uh, never been out in deep, dark sin. But he needed to be saved by grace, just like everybody else. And so I'm thankful for what God's done. And uh, you rest of you boys, just keep on shouting. Amen. This may be the future of this church. Amen. And so we need to encourage them. Daniel chapter 9 and verse number 3. The Bible says, And I set my face on the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confusion and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and the mercy to them that love Him and to them that keep His commandments. Verse 5, We have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from Thy precepts and from Thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and unto all Israel that are near and that are far off throughout all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespasses that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. Verse 9, To the Lord our God belongeth mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he has set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed against thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured out upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us and against our judges that judge us by bringing upon us a great evil, for under, under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done unto, upon Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. And now, O Lord our God, that hast brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and hast gotten and hast gotten thee renowned, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. 
O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountains, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplication, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. O my God, incline thine ear and hear upon thine eyes and behold our desolations and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplication before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake. O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Father, I pray this morning that you would touch the reading of thy word. I pray that you would anoint thy servant. God, most of all, I pray that we'd see no man save Jesus only. And God, may you be glorified. May your son be magnified and the church edified. Do what needs to be done this morning. Help us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and respond accordingly in the invitation as you would lead us to now. And we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject, on America, a nation in need of prayer. America, a nation in need of prayer. You see, when you come to the ninth chapter of the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel clarifies in verse number one that this was in the first year of Darius' uh, reign. And so we know that Darius was the one that in chapter number six that put Daniel in the lion's den. And it's in that first year of this king's reign, the king of Persia there, uh, that Daniel begins to pour out his complaint and his prayer unto God. And when you think about the context of this scripture this morning, what is taking place in these 19 verses is that we have record and we have read this morning the prayer of Daniel for his people and for his nation. And I want to say throughout the Old Testament, it's, it's important to note this, that there are only two men in the Old Testament, the John, uh, Joseph and Daniel, that neither one of these men was ever a sin recorded of their life. When you think about all the characters, even like Dan, uh, uh, David, the man after God's own heart, we know that when we read the life of David, in the life of many other men we see their ups and their downs we see their faults and their failures and we see their, even their sin but in the life of Joseph in the life of Daniel there is no record even though we know they were not sinless and perfect there is no record of them ever committing any sin or any faults or failures in their life the reason that's just so important in chapter 9 is because when Daniel begins to pray for his nation he does not only pray for his nation with some pharisaical attitude as though he is live one way and they have lived another but you'll note in this chapter here that Daniel several times uh, he says we have sinned he talks about our iniquity Daniel classifies himself uh, uh, with the people of God I think too many times uh, the reason we don't see revival and the reason we don't pray for revival is because we see America in one light and we see ourselves in another light but can I tell you this morning that God may be angry with the wicked every day that he is not near as angry this morning with the sins of the sinners as he is with the sins of the saints. Amen. You see the problem this morning with America is not the democratic movement. It's not the republican movement. It's not our president. It's not even our former president and all the evils that he brought upon us. But when God looks down upon this nation, what sickens the very stomach of God is not the sinner, but it's the apathy and the complacency of the 
saints and more so it's the Phariseeism of those that can see everybody else's wrongdoings but cannot see their own this morning. You see, I think this morning if we're ever going to have revival, we're going to have to draw a circle concerning not just our nation but our church uh, and say, you know what? The problem with America and the problem with Bible Baptist Church uh, is not sitting across the aisle. It's not sitting in front of me. In front of me. It's not sitting behind me. Uh, but it's me this morning uh, that is standing in the need of prayer. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse number uh, 5, the Bible says, uh, and this is the message that we have heard of him and that we declare declaring to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, the Bible says we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanseth us from all sins. He said in verse number seven that if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive give us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. He said in the next verse, these things, my children, I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is a propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. You say, preacher, why did you quote that? Because it's what's being practice in chapter 9 here is that my friend Daniel has went to God on his behalf and the behalf of his people. Amen. You see Daniel says in this prayer in essence and in principle Daniel says you know what I could have done more I could have been a better Christian I could have prayed harder I could have been more for God and for my people. Amen. Now you think about Daniel in chapter 9 he is 89 and a half years old. Daniel is pouring his heart out for his nation. You know, there are three chapter nines in the Old Testament that are very important to remember. Ezra chapter 9, Nehemiah chapter 9, and Daniel chapter 9. And what's so important about these chapter nines in the Old Testament is that in every one of these chapters, in Ezra, Nehemiah, and Daniel chapter 9, what you have is you have the servant of God, Nehemiah, you have the servant of God Ezra and you have the servant of God Daniel. They're all on their knees with the word of God praying for their nation and for the people of God. You see, these Old Testament patriarchs, uh, they applied the New Testament teaching and principle that we're to pray for kings and for all that are in authority that we might live and lead a, a, a peaceable life uh, with all that is within us. Amen. They were men of prayer, not just for themselves, but for their nation. I'm telling you this morning, America is a sin-sick nation. Amen. And when I think about the context of the scripture this morning, I want you to notice, first of all, in verse number three and four, I see here the setting of this prayer. Daniel says that he set his face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication. Now notice this, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Now, when Daniel is praying, the setting of this prayer is that Daniel lays aside that royal garment that he was wearing and he puts on sackcloth and 
and ashes and he begins to fast. Now fasting simply in the Old Testament started out as a type of suffering and then sorrow and that's what Daniel is doing here. He is suffering for his people. He is sorrowing for his nation. When's the last time we got a genuine burden for America? You see a people in America and I'm talking about church people. I'm not talking about lost people. If church people would get off of Facebook and quit complaining about the sins of America and get on their knees and start praying for America, that's the only thing that's going to change anything. You can put your little post on this world uh, uh, wall, but it will not do anything. But if you'll put your post in heaven's portals uh, and before the throne of grace, uh, that's what's going to turn a nation back to God, friend. Uh, and while people are so passionate about telling those things, uh, they're not passionate about getting their, on their knees and pouring their heart out to God. What I'm saying this morning is uh, if we're going to win, uh, my friend, this warfare in this day and time, uh, we must be like Daniel. We must have a burden. Uh, we must get on our knees uh, and pray for our nation. In fact, I firmly believe this this morning on the principles of this book. If you don't pray for your nation on a regular basis and if you don't exercise the freedom and the liberty to vote, don't ever complain about anything that's happening around us. I'm telling you, if they take our guns, if they take our, if they take our homes, if they take our freedom, if you haven't prayed and if you haven't voted, you have absolutely no right to ever complain. That's the height and pinnacle of hypocrisy, friend. And what I see in this text here is that nature is that Daniel fast. Uh, that is to say, God, uh, I don't even deserve the food. I'm talking about getting low. I'm talking about getting humble. God, I don't deserve the food. And then he puts on sackcloth. Uh, he's saying, God, raiment does not make a man and I don't even deserve the clothes on my back and then those ashes on top of his head was a form of grievance it was a type of death ashes represented an offering amen and one that had been burnt one that had been sacrificed one that had already been given and so Daniel is in total humility that's the setting of this prayer and when we begin to pray for our nation we must learn to get humble we must learn to get low I think the pride of too many Christians or the pride should I say of too many believers uh, has caused us uh, uh, not to spend time in prayer. You see, people in America, they're so burdened about everything else. Their 401k, their job, their retirement. Listen, they're, they're buying a house, buying a vehicle, making everything sure and right around the home. I'm telling you, friend, listen, I know that's a way of life in America, but I'm telling you something, friend, the prosperity of America has destroyed this nation. Y'all still with me this morning? I'm simply saying the setting of this prayer, God did not say if the world, but he said if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive give their sins and will heal their land. I'm telling you, revival starts with us. Revival starts with us getting out of our complacency. Revival starts with us getting our focus right. Revival starts with us getting more, listen, more burdened about everything else or about God than everything else. I'm talking about the setting of this prayer was that Daniel begins to pray in a very humble manner. Notice with me what he said in verse number four. He said, and I prayed unto the Lord my 
my God. And he said, I made my confession. Amen. He says, oh Lord, the great. That means God is foremost. He said, dreadful God. That's talking about his fearfulness. He talks about one that keeps covenant. Talking about his faithfulness. Amen. He talks about his mercy. That's his favor. He talks about to them that keep his commandments. That's talking about God being fair. You know, God is a fair God this morning. Amen. And God made it very simple that if we'll obey his word and if we'll keep his commandments, God said he'd pour his blessings out on his people. You know why God's people is not as blessed as they should be? And they've mistaken material blessings for spiritual blessings. Our churches have nicer buildings, more money, and greater facilities than they've ever had. And they're deader than they've ever been. Do you know why? Because that's not what the Bible calls blessings. God don't call a blessed individual, a man with a lot of money in a bank and a nice house and a nice car and a closet full of clothes. God said a blessed man is a man that can lay in prison and right while he's under uh, prison guards. Uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with what? All spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Friend, I want to tell you this morning, I'd rather not know where my next meals are coming from uh, and then to know Jesus Christ. Uh, I'd rather be with this crowd, amen. Uh, uh, listen, on the side of the hillside somewhere is under a pine tree preaching on the stump in an open air meeting. Has uh, to be in some fine building this morning uh, and not feel the breeze of heaven pass by. I'm telling you, friend, and we're sin sick. What we need is not more money, machinery, and material. We need the presence, the manifestation of God Almighty once in our churches once again. Amen. You see, it's not about if we can have a smooth service. What we need is a powerful service. Amen. As I said the other day, we don't need a choir that sings good. We need a choir that's got power. Amen. Uh, preachers, you don't need a smooth outline. You need power. You need to study. You need to learn. You need to get all you can. But you need the touch of God. That's what this country is starving to death for. Is a man that'll stand in the gap and make up the hedge. But that man cannot do it if he's not a praying man. I tell you about praying people. They never talk much about their prayer life. Amen. Beware of the person that talks about their prayer life all the time. Y'all with me this morning? I feel like I'm preaching to Tokyo right now. Hello, Tokyo. I'm talking about the setting of prayer. I know, listen, I can already tell you, you might as well hide your clock because I am not finishing at 12 o'clock. Amen. That's right. We're in overtime before we get there. Amen. Brother, I got a burden to preach this morning and I'm going to preach this message. I'm talking about the setting of this prayer. I'm talking about the sins of this prayer this morning. Notice in verse number five here, uh, Daniel begins to pray this holy man of God. Here's what I thought to myself. Look at verse number five. He said, we have sinned and have committed iniquity. And did you notice that? Da uh, Daniel said, we have sinned. Uh, I thought to myself, here is an 85, 90-year-old man uh, my friend that has walked with God all these years, uh, he wouldn't defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. Uh, he stood in my friend the midst uh, of adversity when it was right in his very face. Uh, but when it begins to go before God, uh, he classifies himself uh, as a sinner. Amen. I'm telling you, friend, if Daniel had to admit he was a sinner, then I've got to admit I'm a sinner. I'm telling you, friend, the sins of America is on my shoulder. It's on my back. It's on your shoulder this morning. 
we must feel the weight and the responsibility that if this nation has any hope, it depends on us this morning. You see, it don't depend on the preacher. It don't depend on the evangelist. Revival's coming up in a few weeks. Can I tell you how to know if we're going to have revival? I can tell you one sentence. If we are hungry, we will have revival. Now, if you want to have a meeting with some good preaching, we'll probably have that. But it won't have any lasting effect on this church. Brother, I'm sick and tired of just having meetings, aren't you? I want to have revival. Revival means we get out of our comfort zone. Revival means we make commitment to God. Revival means we clean up our life and we get in the word of God in prayer and we go deeper with God. Isn't that what you want this morning? I'm telling you, if you didn't want that, there ain't even no business in even being here this morning. Daniel said, oh God, we've sinned. You say, preacher, how did they sin? Notice how they sinned in verse number five. Look at the middle part of that verse. He said, one of the ways we've sinned is we have departed from thy precepts and from thy judgment. The first sin Daniel admits is they have departed from the word he didn't say they hadn't heard the word he said they're just not doing what the word says can I tell you this morning our churches are filled with people they've heard good preaching they know what good preaching is the problem is they're not practicing that preaching amen I'm telling you friend when you and I come to church uh, the attitude of my heart and your heart should be this uh, oh God what would you say to me this morning that I could go out and practice this week amen and I think one of the greatest sins in Daniel Day and even in America amongst our churches is that people, my friend, are departing from the word. You hear them making statements like this. Well, I used to believe that. But now, I, you know, the Lord showed me something different. Isn't that amazing how God shows some people, but he hadn't showed us. And then some people go to a contemporary church, a modern church, a more liberal church. You know why? Because it's easier. There's no demands. There is no confrontation. If, if we just lightened up a little bit, if we didn't preach uh, in a way that demanded them to do something, they would stay. Uh, listen, but that's not the kind of preaching we need. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, you and I need to be somewhere uh, where God's putting us in a hot seat all the time. Amen? Uh, we need to be somewhere uh, where the fire is warm, uh, where the Spirit of God is moving uh, where there's some demands in our life uh, when you feel bad in a service you ought to do something about it you ought to get up out of your seat and come to an altar and repent and get right with God amen now don't spiritualize and say this well I'll just pray right here in my seat now, I understand if you got a physical ailment and you can't do can't physically come and kneel then you ought to pray in your seat but I'm telling you if you don't have a physical problem you ought to get up swallow pride y'all with me this morning Come down to the altar and repent. I don't care if you've been saved five days or 50 years. Brother, we never get above the place that we don't need this altar this morning. There's times that I've wanted to pray in my seat and the Holy Ghost, I'm talking about the pastor of the church, would say, nope, I want you to go to the altar, amen? Exercise humility. Go down that aisle and use that altar. The day we're living in, a lot of people that are saved act like they're more scared of the altar than people that are lost, amen? I'm talking about departing from the word. It's very simple. If we want the blessings of God, let's just do what God said. Let's keep his commandments. Let's obey his word, amen? And that's the second sin. He said in verse number nine that they have disobeyed obeyed the word of God. Look what he said. He said, to the Lord our God belongeth mercies and forgiveness. Notice this, though we have rebelled against him. 
God had given them mercy. And God had given them forgiveness. Even though they've rebelled against it. Does that not sound like people in America today? Oh, my friend, I want to be honest this morning. I don't want to be honest, but I have to be honest. I have to raise my hand and say guilty to that. You see, a Bible definition of sin is James 4 and verse 17. And it's not therefore to him that doeth evil. It's therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. To him it is sin. Sin is knowing what to do and making a conscious choice not to do it. And so here the sin of, of, of Israel it was the same sin in America today. The sin of the people of God in Daniel's day is the same sin of the people of God in our day is that they have rebelled against him. Now when we think of a rebel, we think of a guy on a Harley with a do-rag on his head with a, a pack of cigarettes wadded up in his, in, his, uh, in his shirt running down the road at 100 miles an hour. Amen. We think that's a rebel. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. There's far more rebels sitting in our churches this morning than they are running the streets of America because, listen, them people, that man on that Harley may have never even heard the word of God. He may not even know he's breaking the law of God. But we that sit in church week after week, service after service, we've heard more sermons than we can ever give an account for in this walk of life. But the question is, it's not are we hearers of the word? What are we doing with what we have heard? Will you do something with this sermon this morning? Or will it be just under the message that you've heard another Sunday and go to a restaurant and eat and forget all about it this morning? I'm telling you, if we're going to have revival. If our children and grandchildren is going to have any hope, we've got to put these principles into shoe leather and do what they say. That's even when your flesh don't want to. Brother, I'm watching a fading out in our churches. And I'll tell you what it is. You've heard me say it a thousand times, but I fear that there's going to come a day when what you've heard me say, you're going to open your eyes and say, you know, preacher, he told us that. He said that over and over. Be too late then. I'm going to tell you the fading I see. Everybody my age and under, I want you to stand up. It won't break your legs. Go ahead. I want you to stand up. I want to preach to you for two minutes. My age and under, if you don't know how old I am, I'm 34, so you all stand up. Turn that around, okay? You'll get it right. Somebody said, do you have a good birthday? I said, yep. I went to the doctor and said he, he zapped me twice and went to another doctor, so I went to the doctor on my birthday. But they told me I wasn't dying, so that's a good day, isn't it? I want to tell you something this morning. Here's the difference between us and them, and I want to be like them. That's who I want to be like. They come when they can't come. Look back there in the back this morning. They come, and they keep coming. And if I asked him to sit on the front row, he'd sit down here every Sunday. They keep walking to the choir in their 80s. They don't miss. They don't come in and sit down and say, well, phew, I've had a bad day. Kids have drawn me crazy. Phew, well, I tell you, I've worked. Some people act like they're the only person that's ever worked a hard day in their life. Like all the rest of us are on vacation. But you've had a rough day at work. Well, whoop-dee-doo. Amen. 
They just, yeah, thank you. Whoop-dee-doo. <laughs> Y'all like that? I'm just telling you this morning. This is where we're at. They keep coming. They keep going. They keep singing. They just keep pushing on. Sometimes when really, they probably shouldn't be. They just keep coming. They just keep going. They just keep coming. You know what we do? We make excuses for why we can't. We give reason for our laziness. Now that may be okay today, but I'll tell you what's going to happen 10 years from now. When that crowd's exited out of here, the temperature of your church is diminishing. why I'm begging y'all for amens all the time? I'm going to tell you why I'm begging y'all for amens. Because James Rowland ain't here no more. Andy Anderson ain't here no more. There's a time I could come in this church and I could call half a verse and seven people shout. Amen. It wasn't because I was quoting scripture. It's because they are full of God. And they came sitting on a pew ready. And I'm watching it. I ain't complaining. I'm just telling you. It's up to you this morning what kind of church you want. I'll tell you how the devil bury this thing one spoonful at a time. He'll bury it. He'll, make you, he'll let us think we're having church, Brother Charles, all the while. He's putting the dirt on the casket while we're burying it. You see, you say, Preacher, how do I fix the problem? You can be seated. I'll tell you how you fix the problem. I can tell you in one word how we fix it this morning. I'm not going to finish the sermon. I'm going to come back tonight and preach the last half of it. There's too much in there. But I'll tell you how you can fix the problem. Just one word. Commitment. This has to be your life. This church. Jesus. It has to mean more to you than even your job. You say, preacher, but I have to work. You have to have a church. Wilson, could you imagine making double, double what you're making today? And I don't know what he makes, but could you imagine making double what you make today but not having a church to go to? Brother, I'd rather work at McDonald's. I'm serious. I'd rather lose everything I own and have me an old-fashioned church, Brother Dwayne, to go to. I'd rather, they, they can take it all. They can hang back to U-Haul up and take it all, friend. They can have every bit of it. Just give me a place to worship. Amen. I ain't just talking about a place to read scripture and pray. I'm talking about a place where we come in like we did this morning and sing far away in the depths of my spirit tonight. Rose of melody sweeter than song. I'm telling you to feel the brush of heaven. Miss Ellen, I'd rather have that. They can take everything I own. I just I've raised my kids on it. It'll only thing that'll keep them in the right way. But we need revivals, what we need. We got to get hungry for God. And we got to get committed. What you ought to do this morning, you ought, to, you ought to come to this altar and pray, but then you ought to go home. You ought to, husband and wife, you ought to talk. You ought to have godly conversations. The Bible said in Deuteronomy 6, go home and meditate around the table. Talk about what's been preached. Don't talk about the preacher. 
We was at camp one day and a little boy swam up to me. He said, Preacher, will you pray for, he called him a family right. He said, he talks about you every Sunday at the table. I said, I sure will pray for him. I said, thank you for telling me that. So I don't like you, Brother Gravity. Well, doesn't make no difference. You're stuck with me. Amen. Here's the, here's the fact this morning. You ought to sit around the table and talk about what you've heard. And you ought to say, what can we do? What do we need to do? Don't you want to be filled with God? Don't you want to be closer to Him? I think that's what church ought to do for us. I want to be closer to Him. I tell you, God brought me to the place a few years ago. I love this church. I love you people. I love this church. I'm telling you outside my wife and my children and my family, I love this church, this place, these people. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade you, not that I even could, but I wouldn't trade you for nothing in this world. I love you. And I believe you pray for me and I pray for you. I really pray for you. But I want to tell you something this morning. A few years ago, Brother Mike, I got to the place where I just quit loving the ministry. I started loving him more. I've always loved him, but I ain't always loved him like I should love him. I love his church, but you know what happens in any church you pastor? I don't care how wonderful it is. There's disappointments. With every preacher, with every pastor you have, there's disappointments. We just disappoint each other. I tell you something. Never been disappointed in him. Never. He's the sweetest. He's the best friend you'll ever have. And when you get closer to him, that's what matters. You know why they push walkers and why they come in wheelchairs and why they come with pacemakers and why they keep going to the choir when they don't really need to be up there, but they just keep on going. They ain't doing that for me. Ain't doing that obligation. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know why you testified three times this morning? <laughs> and I hope you testify one more time today. <laughs> you know why? They love him. And when you love him, nobody has to bind you. Nobody has to beg you. Nobody has to push and prod you and prop you up. It's just automatic. You just, you just love him. How much do you love him this morning as we stand? Brother David's going to sing. You obey God this morning.